You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Quantum Dream put out a spectacular short film named Kara, wherein a robot becomes self-aware and begs for her life as she's being dismantled, her consciousness seen as a malfunction. The film struck a chord with so many people that Quantum Dream is working on a game which uses some of the same elements. Flash forward a few years and Rob McClellan took that idea and ran with it in a different direction. Abe is nothing like Kara because, well, he's kind of a stalker and a murderer. (laughs) So, of course, much like myself, the right people decided this needed to be in VR. Abe VR, like so many other quote-unquote experiences, is part proof of concept, part theatrics, and part experience unlike anything else we've seen. And it's yet another reason why I'm so excited for the future of VR, because it's not just about games and movies, but experiences like this. Now, I tagged this into the show notes very late. Did either of you actually get a chance to look at what I'd put up for that? I was watched the trailer, and that's about as far into that as I got. Vince? It's a little more than I much. <laughs> okay. Well, basically, it's this robot. It's based on a short film that was done that won various awards Mm -hmm. and i I remember that the short film is really creepy as hell and really well done and then of course they decided to put it so that you are the one that's stuck there Mm -hmm. and abe is going to dismantle and fix you because you can't love him like he wants to love you and from what i read it's entirely nerve-wracking and it does you do have that feeling of being constrained and being powerless to this robot that's going to take you apart and try to put you back together and again it's one of those wherein once you've watched the the short film which again i can't stress enough i'll put the show notes in uh, the links in the show notes but the um the short film was so well done and gave this different and again really creepy twist to the robot that we haven't seen that a lot. I'm trying to think if we've really seen it, anything quite like that in the past, but it's really spectacularly well done. And we've, we've talked about different robot things, especially on popcorn Ronin as well. And we've talked about it in other things like when done well, we're at a point where artificial intelligence is quite literally becoming a very serious scare for very intelligent people. If they're scared, you better be as well. Okay. Because they can foresee things that you can't yet. So when we see films like this, it's really kind of, if you allow yourself to believe for just that moment, it is very frightening. And that experience in VR where everything looks so real and Abe actually looks better in the VR than he did in the short film. It is amazing. And because again, of the strength of the voice acting of the robot, it works so bloody well. 
yet another, again, quote unquote, experience that is the reason why I'm so excited for VR and excited to try these things. I don't care if this experience lasts an hour. I'm all right with that because it's going to literally give me this experience that I otherwise would not have had. It's not that you can just go to the sh- to, to the theater and see this or that you can experience it on, on a, a computer screen or anything like that. It is you're there and you're being dismantled, taken apart or interrogated or whatever by this robot. It just looked amazing. Sadly, it's only coming out for Rift and HTC Vive for now. Uh, but again, eventually I'll get my hand on one of those. <laughs> It's bound to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, not only that, but I mean, the, when I was having this conversation with uh, somebody at work today about VR in general, the race to VR is going to be whoever can supply VR helmets to consumers faster and cheaper. And once Which at that this happens, point is nobody. <laughs> so uh, there's there's some people. Rifts coming out to Best person. Buy soon. Yeah, they're really pushing. So that there's once the supply lines are in place, once the price comes down to a reasonable consumer grade price, we're going to see games like this or experiences like this kind of start creeping into the mainstream. Right. They're going to start becoming these these sort of living room experiences where, yeah, you sit down and for those brief moments, whether it's an hour, two hours you're just absolutely engrossed in this experience. And I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. I don't think I will particularly play this or experience this um, (laughs) simply because anything that says, you know, participate in a robot's bloodthirsty search for love. Um, it hits certain chords with me that I'm just not, a, I'm not, I'm not down with. I'm not, I'm not down well, with I am. Uh, oh, my God. Robot, dis, robot dismemberment of, of things and people and trying to find the beating heart of things. No, I'm, I'm okay. Why I'm won't okay. you love me, Joe? <laughs> exactly. I'm okay on that front. I'm okay. You know, what's funny is that again, I would love to, if I wasn't me, you know, set up some kind of green room. If people actually wanted to see me playing these games, just because, Oh, I fucking pay money. For I it, don't man. have a problem with being scared shitless and having people being part of that. I won't do it, but it would just be a ton of fun because that's actually one of the things that the more I'm seeing of these, whether it be experiences or games or whatever coming out, like I'm excited for obviously damn near all of it, but those scary games. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I cannot wait. Like I need me a layers of fear in VR. It doesn't have to be layers of fear per se, but something of that caliber that's that well done and that unsettling in VR. Oh my God, I cannot wait for that shit. Karen's going to find me after a fucking heart attack. (laughs) I'm going to be sitting, crashed on the ground, heart attack, but it'll be worth it. And I'm all down for that because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of horror films. I love horror films. And so the idea of having experiences or games where, for the most part, with with certain with certain exceptions, robots dismembering me being one of them, um, I am okay with those types of experiences, and I'm really eager for those experiences to be ported over into VR. And you know what? That's what's been my my bridge for this gap. Right? When we started talking about VR, I fucking hated it. I thought it was stupid. What I've seen was kind of you know, the stuff is all shitty. Like. And then as started stuff started 
you know, coming out a little bit more and more. The the art applications started becoming a thing, and then the horror applications. Dude, you are dying to play that paint game. Yes, I am. Every time I see something about that, you're the one that's linking it back to me as well. Yeah, (laughs) dude, the idea of painting in 3D is fucking amazing. I don't disagree. Like that, that from an artist standpoint, that is amazing. Well, it's it's, this is the one where we talked about too the um, uh, what's it called tilt brush, I think. That one there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the big one right now that everybody's talking about. And I was, I was telling you how it would be amazing if they allowed you to do um, kind of multiplayer experiences with that one, so you can online be creating something with somebody else. Because then, like I was telling you too, you could take like your favorite two-panel spread from a comic book, say, and recreate that battle scene in full scale 3d and it's like okay you work on spider-man i'll work on wolverine over here and then we'll work on the other characters as we need to and you could recreate in 3d these spectacular scenes that would get me super excited now the other thing that's been recently getting me excited about that too is looking at the quality of stuff like this and then looking at the sort of the dev kits that they're starting to make for home use right like there's going to be a situation where people are going to be able to create experiences in games for other people to enjoy. That's just the natural oh, yeah. progression of things. Yeah. I can't wait for the the day that I can create a horror experience and force you to play. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. That makes me really happy and excited because and then- that that's cool to me because I mean, especially <laughs> for the three of us, we're story we're story makers. We we create. These adventures and stories and these these NPCs when we do tabletop RPGs, when we play games, we, we, we sort of insert ourselves into it. We RP. This is what we do. And the idea of having a, a an immersive vehicle to throw somebody into something that I created like that, I can't wait. I will make the greediest, harshest, sexist, freaking... Otome-like thing, except for guys, and then force Alicia and Sushi to play them. Of course you would. I would. FYI, I still haven't played Pub Encounters, but I will. Anyways. All right. Moving on. Let's talk, despite not really wanting to, about the last episode of The Walking Dead, Michonne. Which, if you had a half hour to spare, well, there you go. I did it on my lunch break. Ah. Wow, really? Yes. Yeah. No, that's not a joke. I'm not it kidding at took all. me a half hour, maybe a touch more to finish I, that. And mine I was mean, 45 minutes. This is like a full price game. Like, I mean, this is not a $5 game for the three episodes. And it's 15 bucks for the three episodes. Yeah. I really don't think, not even looking at the caliber of the work. Voice acting notwithstanding, I got to keep putting that on there. Yeah, that's <laughs> but it, it, the actual writing and the game, yeah. wow. Like it was, again, half hour and it was done for me. You said 45 minutes. And, well, and I think part of that was just me sitting there stunned like, wait, this is actually fucking happening? And to be okay. clear, too, the last couple of the last maybe five minutes is basically wrap up as well. Oh yeah. So yeah. you reach the point where you're at, you're at the, the the climax of the the story, and like I'm looking at my clock, going, "Are you 
kidding me? There's got to be more. There's got to be like some sort of false ending. But there's nothing else that they could do. And sure enough, they're wrapping up. And I'm going, you're kidding me. So look, wrap up was horrid. Oh, it was horrible. Oh gosh! So like, we could literally spend more time talking about what happened in episode (laughs) three than actually playing Mm -hmm. through it. the The nitty and the gritty of it is, you end the second episode wherein you either have kept Randall alive so that you could bargain him off with his sister Norma, or you killed him, which is what most people did, and yep. then you're going to figure some way to give him back. Well, really, the writing was on the wall what was going to happen there. Of course, she contacts you, and then she wants to do a trade. Wait, did because I forget, did you, did you murder him? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. The, um, and see, we talked about this last time. It's very casual to say it like that, but they made it that way. So there was no gravitas at all. So the, um, there's a little bit that happens beforehand, but you, you get the message. You get the walkie talkie from Norma where she's saying, of course, she got her hands on your crew of the boat going way back to the first episode where you're on this boat with the the crew with, with Pete. And so here now she's saying that she's got the crew, which is such a fucking cheat because there was no mention of the crew at all during this time that they were trying to locate them, that they had any clue that that crew was associated with her. There's none. Nobody mentioned it, at least in my playthrough. Nobody, there, because nothing. I didn't let Pete make, go out to talk to them. So, of course, he wouldn't say anything. So, there's no reason that they should that, know that he yeah. had a crew. So. And that, that, that irritated me because I actually watched another playthrough of somebody who made some different choices than I did. And I saw that. And the fact that that was just like a purely hard scripted event irritated the fucking it's a cheat. out of me. It's a cheat. Is what it is. It's, it's a shortcut. It's a fucking. It, yeah. It's because otherwise, how again? There was no mention. There maybe there was a mention in other people's playthroughs, depending on nope, choices none. that they made. Well, nope. I don't know. In the first, did you watch every single potential playthrough for one and two? Let me uh, let me go ahead and break this down for you. There's not a whole lot of differences in the playthroughs. Well, there is those episodes. Really, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. Because yeah, that was again it came out of nowhere made no sense because she's immediately threatening you with that and you're like where the fuck did that come from how would she know and i was literally trying to remember one and two to see if she said something if michonne at any point or pete at any point said anything maybe there is one dialogue choice one single dialogue choice in episode two where you can potentially say something about the crew one, a single line of dialogue. Okay. When you say that there are others out there that will come looking for you. That's it. That's all that is said. And um, that, that irritated me because it was poor writing. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. But, again, no surprise for what we're seeing here. So, yeah. So, Norma's got the the crew. She wants to do a trade. By now, old Randall is zombified now. And so, it's just a matter of putting a bag on his head and pretending like he's still alive. Which, again, saw that coming a mile away. And try oh, to pretend if you're going to do uh, a trade. I think the better ending, or not ending, but the better scene for that 
was probably, and I say probably because it's not what I did and I didn't look at any other playthroughs, wherein you do the trade and he goes towards Norma, I would assume something happens if you do it that way. Because I just got the blonde chick to shoot Norma from the window. Yeah, so, so what winds up happening, or what wound up happening on my playthrough is you kick him forward, the hood falls off, he falls to his knees, uh, okay. he looks back at you, and then the blonde chick, uh, Paige, Paige, yeah, Paige, Paige shoots him through the head. Okay. That, that's, that's. So that's it. Oh, so then they blew it there too. Because yeah. what would have been smarter is to have a scene where the zombie is walking towards Norma and her crew and the rest of the guys are walking towards Michonne and Pete sure. and the crew kind of thing. And then when she takes the, the hood off, she sees his zombified and he attacks her kind of thing. So that, that would have been, been smarter writing. That would have been better in at least something. Because it just happened that I was playing as I was playing through it. It was like, nope, screw it. Shoot her. That's it. And uh, because by then one of her crew had already shot one of Pete's crew. So it was like, no, let's just let's just sh- have a shootout here and, and call it quits. So you have, before you get to that point, I will say this. There were some elements of better writing in dealing with Sam because here's a kid that is quite literally still a kid. She's a teenager and she has been doing a lot to try to care for her, her family as well. And now she is also lots, not just her brother, but also her father. And so she's obviously trying to hold it together for her two younger brothers, but she's feeling the pressure and she wants to keep the home. She wants to defend it. She wants to also bury her father, even though there's really not enough time to be dicking around with that. That said, at least for, once again, the playthrough that I did, there were no consequences of stopping her from burying him in terms of time-wise. So all you did was keep her as a friend instead of pissing her off, and you did the morally right thing to do kind of thing. Yeah, and that's pretty much my experience with it is, and and I think that's, so I thought about it. I thought about after I played through the third episode, uh, not just by how quick it was, because you know what? Sometimes you can pack a lot of good things in a short period of time. I will admit that this is not one of those cases. And I looked back over the course of all three episodes and this was a game on rails. And yes, there's always going to be a limited number of paths you can go down in these types of games, but it seemed like it was rushed, not fully fleshed out. And, Episode three didn't do anything to dispel. It was supposed to be this big climactic like episode and just nothing happened. It was all predictable. It was all there was no consequences. Your choices didn't matter. And that irritates me as well. And at the end, the end of it, no matter what choices you've made throughout the entirety of the game, from what I've seen, everybody had the same ending. And see, that's a big one for me as well. Now, part of that is a limitation in terms of the fact that this is a slice of time in an existing canon for that character. So anybody who's read the comic books, I don't know how much of this is translated into the TV show because I stopped watching it after uh, the second season. But the... um, it's again a slice of time between whatever issues it was. I can't remember what it is. And so 
you know, A, she's not going to die. B, yeah. she's going back to Rick and the crew and things like that. So it doesn't really matter what you do. The problem that I had is that right up until the end, literally the end, it's almost made to seem as if you may have a choice. Like case in point with the, the constantly seeing her children, which they pushed that too far as Always well, especially in this. I mean, this is a very short episode. So to put as much as they did in this short of an episode, it, that's all it was. And it, as, even as someone with kids, I understand that it would be incredibly traumatic. But this was going above and beyond. beyond. It was ridiculous. But even where you're looking at her potentially staying in the house, did you look at what happens if she chooses to stay with the kids versus leave with Sam when the house is on fire? Uh, literally nothing. It still winds up being the same events that push you through. I would assume up- that Sam just basically grabs you and pulls you out versus yep, pretty you much. going with Sam. Yep. That's what I assumed. So that's why I just wound up going with Sam anyways. And so when you get to the end, you're thinking, okay, I know where this is leading in terms of her eventually going back to Rick, but are they going to at least make it seem like you have a choice? And you're talking to Pete and talking about going back on the boat. And he's talking about because of the one crew member he he lost, that he's going to be relying on her more to do more now. And you're even saying, yeah, don't worry, I got it, kind of thing. Not a fucking minute later, he's saying, you need to go back to your crew. Yeah. And you're like, what? It so, was like a minute later and you're already kicking me off the boat? What the, You know, and here's my other criticism of the two. It seems to me like this had started out almost as a project not involving the character Michonne. And I think that that may have gotten thrust upon the team that worked on this. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. And they shoehorned a lot of crap in, cut a lot of stuff out. And this isn't going to be, this isn't the original game that was originally pitched and presented. That's the only thing I can think of as to why this has all happened. Because what we got here is counter- Everything we've seen from Telltale. I have, and we've seen them do fantastic things. We've talked about it. We've we've gushed about it. We've spent hours and hours and hours talking about it. It's just, this is such a poor showing. And I said it before with, that, with episode two, and my, my fear has worsened after episode three of Michonne. What are they going to do with other established canon characters when they're presented with them like Batman? What's going to happen when we know his points? We know his story points. How are they going to work that in? Like, it it makes me fearful for that. Because if this wasn't just a fluke, if this wasn't a change in the project at the last minute, then I don't know what the hell's happening over there. And that makes me really worried for the future. I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's because of yeah, we, Walking Dead. We've seen outside of <laughs> this Walking Dead episode that... They're capable of handling established characters yeah. in, in a much better way so with what we saw in, uh, and to an extent, Tales from the Borderlands. But they were, we could tell they were kind of given a fair amount of free reign. But like Wolf Among Us or even the Game of Thrones game, like Game of Thrones, that whole six episode series took place between seasons, I think, four and five of the TV show. So it, it had the same thing here that it had to fit into an existing continuity with existing characters, but they still made it fun and interesting. Yeah, 
I honestly, I, I wholeheartedly believe it's a the Walking Dead franchise and b the writers for this one. So if they could put different writers on the season three, then I've got hope. But if it's the same writers, I I'm going to really be holding off on it. I had seen something on Twitter the other day where somebody had said Kirkman wants season three of the game to be tying in even closer with the actual continuity. I'm like, that's the exact opposite of what it needs to do. Uh, seriously, yeah. Christ, the last thing we need is Negan and needs season three. God, oh. no, let's not do that. That fucking sucked in the comics. It's going to suck on TV. Please don't do it. So yeah, there's again, there's there's quite a bit more. I, and I, when I say quite a bit more, there's there's more that we could say about that last episode. But honestly, I I was completely disheartened by the entirety of the series, all three episodes. There were a few moments that were good. That were nothing was spectacular though. I will say that, which is rare when you're talking about a Telltale Games. More often than not, you've got those spectacular moments. None of it was spectacular. Some it was, some of it I found was okay, was all right, but for the most part, horribly cliched writing that was shoehorned into trope after trope. And it was just and horrible characters that I just simply could not get behind to the point where the lead character isn't behaving how that character has acted on uh, in the comics. So because like that's one of the things that we read The Walking Dead for like a, over 100 issues. So you get a pretty good idea of who Michonne is as a character. And you play this game and were it not for the fact that it's called Michonne, like you're saying, no, I would not have even guessed that she was Michonne. Take away the kids kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. just leave her as that character wandering around doing her thing. Pfft, I might have thought, eh, they're kind of doing a little bit of Michonne, but that's it. I, it just there, there were a lot of dialogue choices that were just not like her. Oh, hell no. Yeah. At all. Yeah. So... Like okay. The option to hug Pete, I'm sorry, Michonne does not hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't get a hug option. Was that oh, at the I, end? I got a hug option. Where was that? At the end? No, when, yeah, when you were doing the exchange, because uh, I let Pete go. So Pete's the first one to show up. And the exchange is, you know, Norma goes, cuts him free and goes, oh, here you go. Here's Pete. See, I'm a reasonable person that I'm just going oh, to try okay, to right, 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 right. And No, that wasn't Pete. Oh, that's right, because you didn't take you let uh, Pete stay there. That's right. I, did. I let okay, him go. That's right. That's him. right. Okay. And then like this option comes up to hug Pete, and I'm just like, wait, fucking really? What? How is that even an option? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it was a thing. <laughs> it, was, it was a thing that happened, and was, I, uh, uh, I, I'm happy that I got paid for the half hour that I played it. That was definitely a thing. I, uh, <laughs> I I played it last night, late last night, and I kind of settled in and thought, okay, well, I'm going to put aside an hour and a half, maybe a little bit more. This will be hopefully a good climax to the story. We'll get some new stuff in there. Huh. Half hour later, I'm going, are you fucking kidding me? Or <laughs> seriously? And, yeah. and it was done. So. Time to go run some rifts. So if you're thinking yeah, about seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I got a whole crap load of Paragon levels. <laughs> If you guys are thinking about playing Michonne, go play The Wolf Among Us instead. There you oh, go. Oh, God, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay, let's move on. Uh, 
we got some news about the Nintendo NX and that it's actually coming. And not just in a few years. We're looking at March of next year they're calling for it. That was a little sooner than I was expecting. Especially when you're talking about just how short a time span the Wii U has been out. And now, effectively, it's going to be just gathering yet more dust because there's not going to be a crap load of games. Still more games coming out for it. I I really... I'm surprised, but not huh. surprised. I I'm am. Not, still. I'm not surprised at all, really. Really? Yeah. I, I expected it to be later in the year, but I totally expected it by next year. I did not. I thought maybe 2018. The way that they're making the push, I'm... <laughs> Again, you got to look at it in terms of just how long the Wii U has been out. So despite the fact that it's right, not you, doing you as can't well... Keep going just because you know it hasn't been long enough. It's, obviously, it's not working, so why keep going with it? Because of the develop, development cycle that's needed to create new consoles and well, then testing this, and put it out. At this point, nobody other than Nintendo is developing it anyway. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm not talking about games for it. I'm talking about the actual hardware. Uh, well, You're talking about a lot of time that's invested. Like when, when the PS4 comes out, they're immediately working on the 5. Like that shit is being worked on. Forget about the point five. It's They're working but, on the next one immediately. It takes years and years but, to come okay, up with the sure, next ones. But, I mean, it was what? The Wii was released in 2006. The Wii U was released in 2012, both in the month of November. The DX is being released five years later. We'll say four and a half. So, like, they just cut the dev cycle by a year and a half. It's That's not out of the question. I still think it's pretty short time frame. I, I agree, but it it's not out. out of the question. Yeah, I... Again, what's disappointing for me, not just as because it's we all care about new tech and we all get excited about it. Obviously, we talk about it on the show and whatnot. That said, you still want value for what you're actually spending hundreds of dollars on and you don't want it tossed out the window that rapidly. And to me, how it feels with the Wii U is that instead of putting money towards game development Mm -hmm. to expand the lifetime of the Wii U. They're just saying, fuck it. We're just going to ditch that shit and move on with the next one. And it's like, seriously? Like, because again, the, the Wii U, while it still has some issues in terms of the actual console itself, notably, obviously the, 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 the controller, you could still work with that shit. The games still look great on it. You can still do things with it. It's just a matter of putting your money towards game development, new game development, and getting them to get their shit in order with new fucking Zelda games so that it doesn't take 10 years to come out. And then you're extending the life and selling consoles because of it, instead of, again, jumping immediately into a new console. I am in no rush to buy a new, the new one at all, at all, at all. Like, I'm going to be holding be. off for a long <laughs> fucking time for Well, I that. mean, if you want to have one game for, like, four years, you can go ahead and jump on that bandwagon, but, I mean... But, yeah, again, as someone who owns a Wii U, I am really disappointed. And, again, the, the thing that I keep thinking is, again, hell, we talked about this literally just a few episodes back where you, Vince, was talking about picking one up. I can't imagine you're still picking, thinking of picking one up after this. 
depends on the price and Seriously? what what's the compatibility so like there's a plenty of Wii U games I would like to be able to play. And if I can't play them on the NX and I can find a Wii U for pretty damn cheap, why not? It'd have to be pretty damn cheap for, for me to consider buying one at this point if I didn't already have one. Because to me, again, it just it feels like Nintendo spitting on their own product. And well, I mean, Nintendo's I mean, been doing that pretty damn well since the 80s. So, I mean, why, why stop now? Well, no, they haven't. Yeah, they've made a, okay. Nintendo is a company that has a history of really terrible decisions and succeeding despite of it. Yes and no. I mean, that's your your over game cartridges refusing to go to a CD system, fucking over Sony. Need I go on? That's they, they, not they, those aren't console killers right there. I mean, again, no, if really you, the Sony one almost was. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> like they barely scraped by at that point. Like the, the the point is, Nintendo makes terrible decisions. They I I don't know why. I don't know why they don't want us to love them. I just want to love them and give them money. But I want to play games. Give me games so I can love you and give you money. It's just this is this seems to me like a terrible decision. They, I think personally, they need to wait longer, just like you do it. They need to push more games out for the Wii U and use it to its full extent before they start jumping ship to another another system. This is the same damn thing they did with the GameCube to the Wii, and from the Wii to the Wii U. You had all this untapped potential for the system, and while they may not be as powerful as the other ones that are on the market, they might not be the Xbox One or the PS4. There's some pretty damn beautiful games. Bayonetta two on the Wii U was goddamn gorgeous. The Yoshi's Woolly World, goddamn gorgeous. You could still do a shit ton of awesome stuff with that system. Just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Take, take. Did we lose him? No. no? Okay. <laughs> Just, his rant got cut short. <laughs> his microphone was like, okay. That's it. More or less. You've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to some other games. Vince, you found this assemblance thing that was fucking awesome as shit. Yeah. And the cool thing about this is it's going to be out in a couple weeks. <laughs> it's an upcoming PS4 game from Nilo Studios, uh, formed by a bunch of you know, developers of much of that are companies, most notably Bungie. And they call it a first person psychological thriller. Already I'm in. <laughs> it's, you know, one of the, the interactive adventure game types that we've, you know, come to see so much of these days. But just the premise it almost sells me alone. Also, the cool friggin' trailer. Like, it just sets such a tone. They say, you wake to find yourself trapped inside an experimental machine. A machine built... A machine built to stimulate sim. Oh my God, I'm turning into you guys. <laughs> a machine built okay. to simulate memories. You have no idea how you got here, but to break the cycle, you must look into a past that you may not want to remember. So they're already setting the stage for some really crazy dark shit that could happen here. And they say that it's built on, you know, a bunch of creepy franchises, you know, stuff like X-Files, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror. And if that's where they're drawing their inspiration from narratively, it could lead in a lot of really cool directions because they've said with this weird machine that's drawing from your memories and creating its own versions of them as the player, you're not going to know what's real and what isn't. And you're going to be trying to decipher just what happened in this guy's life to lead him to this point. Yet another one of those amnesia games, which we've gotten far too much of lately. We've talked about how much of, you know, I've had it with that trope. 
But as we've also said many times, it's what you do with it that counts. Yeah, it's not like he just woke up one morning and didn't have his memories. He had his memories sucked out of his head by this machine. <laughs> yeah, it just it works. When you're watching this trailer, it's like, see, this is how you do it well. And it the the trailer had me hook, line, and sinker, and it was like, yeah, I really want to experience this. And the voice acting was spectacular. The 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 sound, everything really worked well for laying that groundwork to 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 set that unease so that you're as you're you're figuring things out you're also worried about what it is that you're going to be figuring out mm-hmm. and they said this is just the first chapter in an episodic franchise so there's plenty more of this to come hopefully if it does well but i mean they cranked out this first chapter pretty damn quick in development like the company was just formed last year and they've already got this out so if it's quality stuff this is nothing but great for the future. And then I found this crazy Japanese shit. So of course I posted and I put your name on it. <laughs> it has Vince written all over it. Let's be honest. Well, this is a game we've talked about a few times over the past God year. I think at this point, the Tokyo Mirage sessions, hashtag FE, which I guess is what they're calling it, but it, it's the Shin Megami Tensei fire emblem crossover that I've kind of been, not paying too much attention to because a it's wii u exclusive and as we just said i ain't got one of those and b i've never really been into the fire emblem franchise but uh, it had a showing at pax this past week well, two weeks ago now and i'm actually you know since you post the article i read the gameplay details and now i'm much more interested <laughs> it looks freaking cool as shit i mean first of all it has this typically over-the-top Shin Megami Tensei world that they're in. Some sort of stuff with pop stars and who knows. But as they say, you're in this world where um, the, the, the playable characters are able to bond with the Fire Emblem characters through this whatever dimension hopping thing. And it's where you get into the Shin Megami. It's, it's very much an SMT game that happens to have Fire Emblem stuff in it, which pleases me because I'm much more a fan of that type of gameplay. So instead of demons or personas or what have you that you're tagging along, instead you have the actual Fire Emblem characters there, what there's, what's called your mirages, and these powerful beings that give you access to super attacks and whatnot. But there's also evil mirages that are pulling innocent people into what they call the idolosphere and draining them of their creative energy. And this plays into just a lot like uh, Persona 4, where all the different dungeons and stuff you go to are very themed after you know the type of creativity that's involved there. They said uh, the one they played at PAX was based around photography, but there's also some for like television and fashion. So they could do a lot of really cool, fun stuff with this concept, just visually, let alone narratively, that uh, really excites me. It looks really fun. It does. And what I liked about it is that because I, I again I I tried the Persona games and I never finished any of them, but I did try. And there's just elements of that that felt too much like work, you know. And it's like, <laughs> no, nah, I don't have time for this. I'm playing a game because I want to have fun. And while there's literally the, parts of the game where you have to do your homework, yeah, this this didn't feel quite like that. Now I could be wrong, and maybe there's elements well, of that that, that is hidden. 
since this is based more off the core Shin Megami Tensei franchise and not the Persona spinoff, they're much more focused on, you know, just diving into things, not, yeah. not the not the minutia of daily life. That's pretty that's very much a Persona thing. And that's how it felt for for the trailer and the gameplay that uh, that I saw. And to me, that's a huge plus, like mm-hmm. huge plus. So it, it did look like a lot of fun, actually, in terms of crazy Japanese shit. It looked like fun. So, mm-hmm. yeah, might be checking that out. Make some use of my Wii U. <laughs> and it's cool seeing how they're really blending like the, the, the gameplay styles of the two franchises. Like you still yeah. have the typical Shin Megami Tensei magic where various enemies are weak to certain elements, but they're also bringing in uh, what they call in Fire Emblem, the weapon triangle, kind of like rock, paper, scissors, bows, beat axes, axes, beat swords, swords, beat bows. So you can have both elemental and weapon affinity weaknesses, which really comes into the uh, the gameplay where much like in uh, Persona and other SMT games, if you can access and hit your enemies with an attack they're very weak to you actually gain special attacks that you can then pile upon that and what they call here is they it's uh, the sessions you know what the game is named after which is a combo attack not just with the characters you have active but depending on the various skills you have equipped it can bring in your reserve party members because while you can only have three party members active at a time you can switch them in and out on the fly a lot like uh, final fantasy 10 which i found pretty fun in that game so it could be cool here because you can set up your party for each individual battle to take advantage of those weaknesses and what they showed here there was like a minute and a half long video that was basically just one attack (laughs) and then chaining and then chaining and then chaining and then switching into this weird j-pop cut scene attack (laughs) it it was ludicrous and over the top and i had hearts in my eyes glorious in every way possible (laughs) yes all right the most japanese thing i've seen god yeah yeah well that's why i saw it and i I read up on it and then i saw the trailers and i went yeah i'm putting vince's name on that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, did you actually pick up the hum- Humble Bundle for uh, Wii U and uh, 3DS? No. Might not be a bad idea to get it. You'll have some games waiting for you if you do pick it up. Because, I mean, the the um, even the max price was like 13 bucks, and and you wound up getting the, the games. I actually ordered it yesterday just because Tristan had been wanting it. And I said, well, I was considering it, so I'll just... I'll pick it up and then you can use the 3DS games and I'll just put the rest on the on the Wii U. So it's not a bad thing. I, I would like to see more of that. And that's also why I picked it up because I would like Humble Bundle to start putting up more console games as well, not just PC games. That would be freaking fantastic. So Yeah, it's definitely something I hope they continue with, but it just the bundle itself didn't really excite me. Right. All right. You mentioned D3 during the pre-show <laughs> and season six came out much to my surprise, on Friday. And, of course, that meant that that's all I was playing all weekend long. <laughs> this this is the first time Blizzard has started a season on a night when I'm not playing D&D or Shadowrun. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's a Friday that I don't have to do anything. Speaking of which, I noticed there was no CB Heroines on Friday either. What a coincidence. Yeah. Miss Heroines of the Cherry Blossom Slackers. Anyways, so yeah, the season six started, and they're they're going to be trying to do more on time. What did they say? Every three months, I believe. Now they've, three, they've four been months. pretty. They've been holding pretty strong to that every three months for the last couple seasons. Yeah, but five had a lot more to it. I'm finding this. Yeah, is content wise, much. this is not as much as we've seen the last couple seasons. Yeah, this is basically a fresh coat of paint 
in terms of seasons. You're just starting from scratch. There's not a lot in terms of the sets as well, differences. From speaking to other people, what I've noticed them saying is it's just about more damage for everybody for the most part. But with the exception of the new Menagerie Goblin, which you motherfucker, you got one. I got two. I, did, two? I didn't post a second picture. I also oh. got I also got the little kid with the sword and shield. He's awesome. Man, I have not come across a single one of them yet. So, but yeah, so the the sixth season is out. I, again, I... Uh, see, I also got the head crab. Shut up. Seriously? Three? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Well, All the head right. crab, I was just doing a bounty, and a bounty sent me for that uh, spawn, and I just got lucky, and he dropped the head crab. Damn it. All right. Well... And again, like I was saying, there's there's really not a whole hell of a lot to say about this season. I I I've got a few seventies. I'm, I'm I'm still having fun playing it. it. This is one of those things with the seasons now where I never play the regular stuff, and I'm, I'm pulling off of you essentially. I'm just all the the mail from the previous season. I'm just I, either just, disenchanting it or selling it off. Screw it. I, I don't even bother looking at it. I'm never going to use it. Yeah, I had to because it just I, sits in the mailbox until it goes away. I had to make room for to to rebirth another character. I had to delete everything. So, I I did that. But uh but yeah, so I only play the seasons and and 5 I did not play as much as 4 actually. Once I kind of leveled high enough and reached a point where it was like, well, there's really not much point playing anymore. I kind of stopped. And this season, I probably will do that even sooner just because there's even less to do in mm-hmm. it because there's not a lot new. So I was a little disappointed with that, actually. I was going to say, I will say this. I think uh, I think Blizzard is is noticing that trend, too, and I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people feel uh, because now they're starting to hire things like character artists and game devs specifically for the Diablo team. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if while seasons continue... Uh, the decline in people sticking around throughout the seasons is going to prompt them to do something massive content update wise to keep it viable. Yeah. Because again, it's a ton of fun and it's always nice when it starts off too, because then you wind up grouping up again with folks that you might not have for a little while. So like Jason and Jenny and myself, were having a blast running several times kind of thing. And I'm going to be running with some other people as well. Some, some stuff, especially now that I have a 70, I can power level some folks, but Again, there's just not nearly enough to keep me even compared to season five, which is disappointing. I'm hoping that there'll be a patch in between six and seven that'll introduce some new stuff to make it so that I actually stay in there more. You just have to remember at the end of the day, this is all, you know, free content that we're getting. We're not paying a subscription fee. We're not you know, getting, you know, paying for you know, DLC expansions. It's they're they're keeping the game fresh. And like it's just for me. Even if I only play the game for a few weeks, once every three months, it just gives me an excuse to pop back in. And oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. this is what I do when I'm listening to podcasts instead of doing something else while I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. So it's it's just changing what I'm doing in my free time to from one, you know, kind of half paying attention to task to a different yeah. one. <laughs> it's It's what I do when I'm editing as well. I want something that's essentially brainless that I could just pause whenever I want which is a little bit harder with Diablo, but depending on your class, sometimes not that hard. It was pretty easy for you last season. Yeah, and then just pause, edit, and keep going. So sticking with Blizzard, it kills me that we live in a time when people think that a company should have to sit down with people who've stolen their code (laughs) and are illegally running servers 
and allow people to play the game that they created. It, it kills me that we live in a time when people think that's justifiable, that Blizzard owes it to their fans to listen to these people who stole the game and have been illegally running it, but because they are so fucking high and mighty on their soapbox that we just want to experience it like it was in its glory days, that that makes it all right. It's not. It really isn't. But that's what's happening, and it kills me. It's Joe mentioned this last uh, week yeah. before the show. We watched the video, which literally <laughs> made me laugh. Got angry. Oh, God. I was laughing out right? loud to go, right? like, oh, my God. I just want to punch him in the smoke hole. And then, of course, tons more news on it. So, Joe, I'm going to let you take this. So, we're going to ta- we're gonna be talking about nostal- nostalrius here for just a couple minutes, uh, mostly because I don't want to waste just too much. Just a couple, sure. I don't want to waste too much breath on it, but have you met you? <laughs> I'm going to try not to because I don't really want to talk about the topic much more than I have to. Here's the thing. These type of servers are nothing new. They've been around. They've existed since Burning Crusade was released. People hated the expansion and ripped off, ripped the server code and, and all this wonderful stuff and created vanilla servers back then. Blizzard has been shutting these servers down for the last 10 plus years regularly. This is not a new thing, folks. This has been a thing for a very, very long time. Nostalrius just happened to get very, very big because for some reason, Blizzard's been too busy with other shit to really worry about other things like vanilla servers that are out there, which there are still more that are live right now. Okay, I get it. We we often look at the the world, the games that we played with these rose, rose-tinted lenses, right? We have these great memories. Oh, it was great back in the day. I don't either. Vanilla was great for what it was, but the systems were awful. The gameplay was not immersive. It was a grind fest. And if you'd like that, more power to you. There's a million other games you can do that with. But the game's not as good as you think it was back then. The game is much better now than it ever has been back in those days. Maybe not story-wise, but at least systematically it is. So Nostalarius gets shut down. This big hubbub happens, and there's a change.org petition, and there's 250,000-plus signatures and comments from Reddit and a video. How many of those 250,000 people are actual people? I'm going to go ahead and guess a lot of them because Nostalgia actually did have a very large hmm. active player base. I will give them that much. There was probably— 250,000 strong? <laughs> they had almost uh, almost half Not a mil from what I understand. Yeah, wow. but that's how many people they had registered. They said on a regular yeah. basis they were looking at about 10,000 playing. Yeah. Well, that's a far yeah. cry yeah, from 250,000. Because here's, here's what's happened. People would do exactly what I've been saying would happen with, with legacy servers all along. It's a great thing to go and do for 10 minutes and then you get fucking bored and you go and play the real game. Like these people all have accounts. That's great. And these people all have these opinions on it, but everybody wants a different version of the game. And but but we're getting sidetracked here. Let me let me stick to the main point. They want to try to force Blizzard to make legacy servers a reality and officially licensed at the very least. They don't care how much it costs. They're offering to do the work, quote unquote, um, to to sort of bring these these back. I get it. I do. You want to play this game. You want to play this game that you remember so fondly. Blizzard doesn't owe you a goddamn thing. Nope. In fact, the person spearheading it is a former Blizzard employee who is no longer with that company. 
and hasn't been for a very long time. And many of the other companies that they've been associated with, they're not a part of anymore or have run into the ground. Maybe it's because they steal their fucking code. Maybe it's because they steal their fucking code. <laughs> and the the biggest news is that all of this hubbub, all of this bluster, all of these videos where they print, quote unquote, all of the comments and signatures, which fuck you for killing that many trees, you goddamn bastard. They're going to meet with Blizzard within the next few days. And I'm fairly confident the uh, the meeting's going to go, nope, see you later. I thought some of them had already met with them. There was an initial like phone meeting. There's going to be yeah. a physical meeting in the next few days. It kills me that as you're reading up on this and you're getting the quotes from the admins from Nostalrius, and they're saying like they don't think of themselves just as people, the admins running the server. And they, they see themselves as the ambassadors for all the yeah. people who would want the vanilla. And I'm going, fuck you, you smug bastard. You stole the code. You're running it illegally. And now you're trying some to stand on some moral high ground that you're doing this for the people. Shut the fuck like, up. Don't get me Come wrong. On. If this is something you really wanted that bad, you should have been doing this 10 years ago. You should have been trying to get petitions together and getting people to, to, to do it the right way and get the people who own the code and own the game to, you know, participate in it in some manner. But I can tell you this. Doing that much work and keeping that much infrastructure up is a pain in the goddamn dick. I do this for a living, folks. It sucks. When one of your versions is out of sync and you have to maintain old old code that's 15 years out of date at this point, 15 years out of date, put that in your brain space. It takes a lot of time and effort that you could be spending on other things like new games or fixing current problems where you have multiple millions of people playing a game. Again, I get it. You want to have those feelings of nostalgia and more power to you. I remember I have some very fond memories of my days in vanilla, but I just, I can't get behind this. It's just, I'm sorry. Just let it go, guys. To me, what's funny again is that incredible sense of entitlement. And and that video was, wow, that, that was entitlement to the nth degree right there. But everybody else to you reading comments and it's like, these people don't realize that Blizzard doesn't owe them anything. And and it seems odd, you know, coming to the support of Blizzard. I've been critical of them when need be. But the fact remains, it doesn't matter if they're a multi-million billion conglomerate kind of thing. You don't own that game. You're 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 basically just kind of renting it when you have a subscription, whether it's with in-game gold or real money. Like they can't they're they're stealing it to run it what they're doing is wrong these people there's no if ands or buts you can't try to rationalize it it's wrong so this moral high ground that just because there's so many people so many signatures and all that 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 they're all right and in doing what they've done kills me Again, when you're seeing that smug fuck in that video and and all the while I'm thinking you got fired from Blizzard, you stole their fucking code, you're illegally running a server and you're acting like you're the guy that's in the right here. Listen, Mike, I know better than oh, oh you and I'm going like, seriously, buddy, you're oh, my God he needs to be throat punched 
And and the point that you're making too about putting their money in better places, I think what a lot of people forget as well, and you'll notice that whenever you now open your Battle.net app, it's no longer just, you know, WoW and StarCraft and then and, and Diablo. And now you've got these other games as well. So you've got a lot more attention being put to multiple games that they have to be producing. And not all of them are raking in as much money as they used to, to make kind of thing. So to spend as much money as it would take to properly set up, configure, and keep up to date a legacy server. A, one, the fuck whatever version you want to play, buddy. One legacy server. And make sure that it is kept secure because it's a well, old fucking code that can be hacked oh, yeah. more easily. So make sure that everything works. They have an to all those data centers plus, where all the data is. <gasps> plus, you need staff to keep that working as well. Like, it's just a massive undertaking. Well, massive. And it's just... It's not viable. It it makes no sense. Like, let it go and move on. Well, and here's the other thing that gets me about it is just every person that's signing these petitions, great. I, They all want different versions. Mm-hmm. Some people want to play Vanilla. Some people want to play Burning Crusade. Some people want to play Wrath. These things don't exist anymore, and everybody has a different idea. So if you cave as a company and you say, we're going to put up a 1.0 Vanilla server, enjoy then what's going to stop the next next campaign from we want 2.0 we want burning crusade and then that's more time and more money it's a cascading effect it's just it, it's i i get it you love the old days i i really really do but those days are gone it's not just that to me it is also very much a For lack of a better term, and this is not to make light of terrorist attacks kind of thing, but it's that idea of caving to terrorist demands. So here you have people who are doing something illegal and forcing the company to sit down and talk to them to try to find a middle ground or some kind of compromise or whatever. And it's we like, don't know that that's the case, though. That's the thing. They could be walking in there, and there could just be a boardroom full of lawyers be like, hi, how you oh, doing? Oh, God, I would love that. There, that would be awesome. Know that this, that's the thing. Like, no matter <laughs> oh, that the would thing, be fucking people, awesome. That's the thing. The only people saying anything are the admins from Nostalrius. They're the only ones publicly saying anything about the meanings or anything like that. Blizzard's not saying Their a goddamn just thing. A tour of the office. <laughs> it, it's it's ve- it, it could very much be an appeal of saying, "Listen, you you claim to be friends with people that still work here. You're fucking it up for us. Like, we don't know the nature of the visit. This is all speculation. So, I mean, it could literally be they're showing up to sign papers and say, "Yep, we uh, we stole your code, and we're never going to do it again. And if we do, you're going to slap us in jail." Or it could be. And then they'll you know, spin it as, oh, talks with Blizzard didn't go sure. as anticipated and they're not interested. But, but we don't know the nature of these talks. So the fact that they're having to talk, big fucking whoop. I've talked with clients uh, over server shit that doesn't actually go anywhere. It happens. Yeah. Like, it's just a, a reality. I, I just, again, I'm, I'm in, incredibly disappointed that people think Blizzard owe them something and owe these people something who are illegally running their, their product. I, it, it slays me that people are that 
entitled. It, it just blows my mind. So that is going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for joining us in the audience. And, of course, you can find us on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at ForTheLore.com slash live. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually. Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simonian and I am Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. And we will talk to you guys next week. Next week, I'm leaning to potentially a D&D. Unless it's like a really good news week. I'm thinking week Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're gone. You're gone. Sorry, my mistake. That's when <laughs> that's we bring okay. in Sissy. I, I, I can do a one-on-one session with uh, Sir Reginald's disembodied spirit. This is dying. No, we'll bring in <laughs> Sissy that week. I was going to say it'd be a great week to uh, to that get Sissy awesome. involved. Without the joke, <laughs> we'll put Sissy can have his character. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, no. Tag is a little less effeminate. <laughs> uh, fuck you, Roger. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> <sighs> Tag's long lost older brother who's far more manly. <laughs> <laughs> he was gone, but still his words kept returning. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.